On the outside, when folks view catalysts, they think that catalysts act on intuition. I think in my mind or in a catalyst mind, you're actually acting based off of lots of research that you've done. Maybe you haven't done it by writing it down and conducting an experiment, um, or maybe you have, and it's just not in the researchy type of way. I'm Shannon Lucas. And I'm Tracy Lovejoy, and we're the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change. This is our podcast, Move Fast, Fast, Break Shit, Burn Out, where we highlight catalysts that are creating amazing change in the world. And I'm excited to have time today with my old friend, Parminder Jessel. Parminder is the founder and CEO of Unmuddle, a skills to job marketplace for working learners that's powered by America's employers and importantly, our community colleges. She navigates the future through three intersecting lenses, the innovations of open economies, the changing role of people in their environments and the relationship among learning and work and life. I'm so excited to have you with us today, Parminder. Thank you, Shannon. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. I'm excited for everyone to get to hear hear what you're working on, but let's start with, so how do you relate to the concept of catalyst? Well, when I first heard about a catalyst, well, when we first started talking about it, Shannon, I was like, what the heck is this? And it just kind of opened my, for me, it was like chemistry. Yes, chemistry. Uh-huh. We use catalysts in order to make uh, reactions happen. And yeah. they're such an important part of an equation. But yet, once it happens, people don't notice that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so when you started talking about it, I was like, wow, okay, catalysts. I love that. Uh, yeah, but what does it have to do with me? And that's where I really started thinking about it. And I think what really um, kind of triggered for me was the fact that the quick action and the quick change has to happen. And if that doesn't happen, you're really not a catalyst if you can't make that happen. And so when you found out more about like the book, you know, what were some of the key takeaways that resonated with you? For me, I think there was like a handful. It was um, some of those characteristics was one, um, you all made a statement about catalysts get brought into organization and then um, support gets taken away all of a sudden. It's like, oh my God, I can relate to that. Like, why, why does that happen? That's what I really wanted to get into was why? What happens? Why do people take that support away when when they go through all that trouble to recruit you, bring you in, set you up, give the structure that's needed and get the credibility? And then they're like, yeah, mm, you know what? We're going to take a different route now. Um, that's one thing. A second thing that was really compelling to me was um, regarding the fact that on the outside, when folks view catalysts, they think that catalysts act on intuition and that they're, that it's kind of fluffy. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yet in, in a, I think in my mind or in a catalyst mind, you're actually acting based off of lots of research that you've done. Maybe you haven't right. done it by writing it down and conducting an experiment. Um, or maybe you have, and it's just not in the researchy type of way, but it is usually it is generally evidence based and data driven. 
Yeah. But it hasn't been communicated in that way. That was a second one. Uh, there were some other points too, like, um, I, I don't even know how to, how to start it or how to describe it. It was somewhat around that when catalysts, when they start in on accomplishing a goal, they, they start forgetting that they even had any successes along the way. And yeah. it's like every day is a new start and a new challenge that you're looking at. And that's what you want to focus on. It's like past is done. Yeah. Um, everyone talks about let's celebrate all the milestones. I don't think a lot of catalysts do that because the milestone is the next one, not the past. That's right. Yeah. So I just thought the whole thing, the whole um, book was really, really interesting. There's a few other things if you want me to get into them. Yeah, sure. I mean, these are great ones. Yeah. <laughs> and another one was um, the the whole idea about um, a kind of like the vision side of this. I think that when we we already know that you cannot describe a vision that changes everything. Because if you do that, you scare everybody off. Yeah. So you describe a vision that is attainable. And then as soon as you get there, you go to the next piece of it. And then you go to the next piece of it, step, 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 step to that vision. Um, a, lot of, a lot of folks, even colleagues will come back and say, you know what, the vision keeps changing. It's like, no, the vision isn't changing. We're just doing it in small chunks. Because if we talk about the big vision, nobody's going to want to do it. Yeah. It's interesting. That last one that you talk about is actually the skill of a, of a more mature, accomplished catalyst. Because you learn that, that lesson often through hard trial and error. Like, Because when we're younger, we're like, look at the great vision that we're going to do. And everyone takes 10 steps back. And you're like, what did I say? Like, <laughs> and so that one is interesting because it is a learned skill and the balance of like, okay, directionally, here's where we're going. Here's our North Shore. But focusing them really on like, what's the next step? So we can take them with their comfort of change along for the ride. The other ones are things that we help catalysts with though, like being able to articulate your vision. I mean, your, your value to the organization can be really tricky for catalysts, especially because we forget our own successes to your point. So we work a lot like in our classes and coaching with helping people just like develop those muscles. It's like, it's not for you. We, we are motivated by doing the change. And so it can feel like egotistical, even to us to like put those wins on the board. Right. But yeah. we're like, if you want license to operate the next time. If you want to keep the, the sandbox you're in or get a bigger sandbox, you have to show those things to the other stakeholders. Oh my God. You're absolutely right. Shannon, it does feel egotistical and it's like, what's the big deal? Why do we have to keep going back and talking about that? That's right. Um, and, and so, yeah, it makes it really hard to operate. If usually a lot of people have supported us on the journey. And so we feel like, well, it's not my win to claim. Like I was an activist yeah. that happened, but it's like, okay, but catalyst, remember that activation wouldn't have happened. We go back to the chemical definition that that reaction would not have happened without you. All right. But I do want to move us on because you are, what you were working on is so fascinating. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about the amazing work. Like, what are you excited about what you're catalyzing these days? 
<laughs> I love that. What am I catalyzing these days? Um, so I just a little bit of background on me, Shannon, right. you probably remember all this, um, but I'm going to refresh your memory real quick right. um, before I jump into what I'm working on. So I'm from India. And after completing high school in India, I came to America and next step was college, had never heard of the ACT, SAT, didn't have a high command of English, uh, of American English. Hmm. I did a British, but that wasn't very helpful here in America and especially not on the testing side. Right. And, um, and so it was the chancellor of the community college who knew my dad, who said, oh, we don't take any of those tests. You can come on in. I know of the Indian system. I'm sure you did really well. Come on in. We'll start from there. And as I went through the classes, it was identified by faculty. So by the folks teaching my classes to me and facilitating my learning, they said, you know what, you need a little bit of English help. Let's assign you to Dr. Wilson. He will start helping you through the classes. And you know what, your math is really good. Why don't you give computer science a try? And let's try some programming and development of logic structures. Like, okay, never heard of that. But one thing I do know, it's all the guys who go into computer science. It's never a girl. So you know, let's be a little bit careful here. We've got to talk to my dad. And then they said, and you know what? You want to pair computer science with business. So why don't we add that as a little term? Amazing <laughs> guidance, like from the professors. That's incredible. They, it's because they really care. Yeah. And that was the start of my public education journey in America. And I'm a product of that public education Germany, uh, journey here in America with a doctorate in economics, tech, and education. So if it wasn't for that experience, who knows where I would have ended up. Mm. And so that's the cornerstone, not only for me, but for like 95% of my cousins who, who all immigrated from India as well. And, and so when I was at the Institute, well, still there, at the Institute for the Future, I founded the Work and Learn Futures Lab. And one of the amazing things that began to happen was as I worked around the world, around this intersection between working and learning, um, community college presidents started coming to me and saying, you know, I really, they were asking for help and saying, how do we stay relevant for the future? What we have here is amazing, amazing space, amazing faculty, amazing advisors, ama amazing labs, but yet, we just don't know how we're going to remain relevant. Mm -hmm. And so we started working through a futures innovation lab process with them. And the, what birthed out of that futures innovation lab was this thing we call Unmetal, a skills to job marketplace that's powered by America's employers and community colleges. So it's been this whole process. Oh, and what's really cool is because all my work centers around the actor of the future because if there is no actor in the future, the future doesn't matter, right? So back when I was at the Gates Foundation and then as CEO of the ACT Foundation, we began identifying that actor so we could understand who it is in the future that's going to exist and how you can best serve them. So kind of pulling the research side, the practice side, philanthropy and tech together was how 
Unmuddle came about. I'm so curious. I mean, I have a million questions for you. So, okay, so let's, uh, can you unpack the actor just for a second? Like, what does that end up looking like? Sure. So what's so interesting is, is that a working learner was a kind of undefined piece of the population. Mm. Um, a working learner is one who is working and learning simultaneously. Now, in the traditional white collar or professional careers, that's a given. You get sent to seminars and conferences, everything's paid for. You're learning as you're working, and it's expected that this kind of behavior is going to happen. And on the other hand, if you're in a entry-level job, you generally will not get any support to learn, mm -hmm. like paid time off in order to do it, um, time specifically set aside, unless it's compliance. Right. Now even rewind that greater to a 14-year-old. Here in America, 14-year-old can work. And yet, if a 14-year-old chooses to focus on work, they're called a dropout or yeah. an at-risk student or a non-traditional, all these nasty labels. And yeah. so at ACT Foundation, we gathered up working learners and we said, this is before they were called working learners and said, you know, how can we help you rather than investing a whole bunch of money into just scholarships or something like that, the traditional thing to do. They said, you know what? Unify us. Don't call us these, these labels. We know that it's a negative label when we get labeled as a dropout or a stopout or an at-risk student. Call us what we are. We work and we learn and we need a way to do that that is optimal. Yeah. So help us with that. And call us that rather than these negative labels. And uh, I mean, just so listeners know, you know, I have my my family has a long history supporting working in uh, the community college space. And so, I mean, one thing I know is that the community college, um, you know, leaders understand have understood that population for a long time. And so, I think it's super smart to be sort of pulling those two things together, thinking about what the employers are looking for potentially. Because also, the other thing that we know is. The, even if you have a skill today, you're going to have to like the pace of change for skill development is so fast that it's like even corporations are really losing their edge on, on being able to keep up with that. Um, so I think it's amazing that you've pulled together this marketplace of the employers, the, the employers, the working learners, the community colleges. And I just have to say, like, everyone will put the link in the show notes, but like everyone needs to go to the website and look at this amazing thing that you've built. So as you've been doing this, what have some, what have been some of the biggest challenges? I think it's facing reality. That has been the biggest challenge. Um, it's easy to put your blinders on and get really comfortable in the way that you do things and the way that you know how things work and opening your eyes to a way that is going to be different in the future. That's really hard. Our tendency is to put blinders on and ignore that and go, wow, that's really weird. Whoever, you know, why would you do that? Why would you use that? Or our tendency is to really push back and ignore rather than picking up the signals around us mm -hmm. and connecting them in a way that helps us actually address the future 
as we move forward in our life. And so are you speaking for yourself? Or are you speaking for other people? Because like what I know about you and like your curiosity, like you seem really curious and open and like a dot connector. So I'm wondering if you have an example of where even blinders for you have come in. Oh, wow. Blinders for me. Oh my God, Shannon. That's like, I think uh, here's a big blinder for me. I always thought if you could show that you could do something, that would win out over communicating it really well. Mm-hmm. That is a fantastic one. <laughs> yes, I have that blinder still. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they all, there's this, I, I don't know, it's a simile, ver- what phrase um, yeah. that is um, the proof is in the pudding. Right. But that's not true. I mean, I think for catalysts, the proof isn't always in the pudding. You can prove things out. And instead of people around you saying, oh my gosh, that is the way it's working. And we do need to make that change. Instead, they say, let's shut it down. That's right. And this is why we need to help catalysts communicate all of that better, capture the wins, communicate it, breadcrumb, bring people along. So what are your key learnings? Like, how did you overcome that? Or were there other key learnings that you've been, you know, you, you, yeah, that have been unfolding as you've been going along. I, I think um, really getting help from folks to be able to articulate um, what is happening and documenting what is going on. For example, with Unmuddle, um, Holly's Anvil, a very res- Dr. Holly's Anvil, a very respected researcher, um, actually wrote the Unmuddle report, which is uh, offers transparency to anyone about the process, the Futures Innovation Lab process we use, the thinking, the very deep thinking behind the design and development of Unmetal, but it was done from a third party perspective so that it can be clear. And it was, um, and I felt like that was a really necessary step because otherwise we skip, or I, I should say, take responsibility for it. I just skip it. And I'm just focused on, here's where we need to get to. What do we need to do today? Here's where we need to get to. What do we need to do tomorrow? Otherwise, that's my focus. And I forget about all the other steps that have been taken till today. Yeah. And, and, and as you and I were discussing, like, we have to bring people along. It's like, yes. so setting the context, helping them understand why this, why now, all of those things. Because we see it so clearly, to your point, we've moved like 10 steps beyond that. And so it is really important. And I love the third party thing too. I think that's really brilliant. It's like getting the external. I always said this when I was in innovation, I was like, if I say it, it doesn't matter. If the customer says it, it's a completely different story. You know? <laughs> so, um, those are great. Those are great lessons. All right. So let's move to the rapid fire. You ready? Yep. All right. What nugget of advice do you wish you had been given when you were younger or said another way? What do you wish you had known when you were 20 about being a catalyst? Oh, wow. That communication is key. How you articulate and lay things out so that everyone can follow along with you and that you take the time to build the buy-in through that clear communication and clear articulation of where you are today, where you wanna be tomorrow, and where you want to be in the future. 
I, it's so important. And the next question that I have, because when catalysts hear this, myself included, I kind of want to like a pick a pencil up and like poke my eye out because it means you have to repeat yourself so many times. So I'm wondering if you have like an add on nugget about like, how do you maintain your energy and enthusiasm when you have to repeat that story, like 30 times more than you want to repeat it? I think there's, I, the way that I do it, Shannon is I try to actually change the story each time, like try to use different words and try out a different framing. So it's like, I'll look back at something and go, wow, that doesn't even make sense. What I said, (laughs) I can't believe I said that. Oh my gosh. And so I think challenging myself to kind of update that because you're right, it gets really boring. And what's really interesting is everybody wants to always see a deck or see it written. And I'm like, why can't we just show you the website and do a three minute demo? And then you get the experience, you get the clear communication and you get the latest. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, that's just a part of the deal. And I think also getting third party help. Yeah. And I think that is actually really key. Somebody who is able to help you clarify your own thinking. And since they were often too close to it, even to articulate it with its full impact. So someone else having to ingest what it is, but contextualize it themselves. And that was the other thing I was going to say, um, my boss, when I was at Cisco, she was a master. And I learned this really deeply from her, which I ties to what you're saying is contextualizing it for each different person. It makes it less boring for us. It's more work, but it also helps right. land with them better. Right. Cause you're like, what are they going to care about in this story? So, exactly. all right. What advice would you have for executives about finding and leveraging their, their catalysts? Wow. For executives. Um, it is handle with care and you want the ideas. So let them use the ideas to build something that's going to be really helpful and pull in some communicators Mm. who can help articulate and document what is happening. Because if you're relying on them, on all the catalysts to have all the skill sets from idea making to implementation and action and vision building and on on writing up 10 page reports to send it in, you don't get that with every single person. No, you don't, Parminder. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And that expectation is just wrong. And you're not going to get a McKinsey report out of a out of a catalyst. You're just not. So uh, I love that one. Okay, what's the worst part about being a catalyst? I think it's a it's all the negativity around you. People are always telling you, in my experience, and it's like, yeah, that doesn't matter. Um, your experience is actually what we're trying to stomp over and get past is that mindset, that experience that you've had. We want to change that rather than talk about your experience. And that's always a big one is people think that their experience is what the future is going to be. That's right. And until they can break free of that, and say, wow, okay, we're going to look at this and think about this and implement 
in a totally different way. Let's take away those paradigms, take away the experiences. I mean, bring in what you've learned, but it's not about your experience here. It's about the experience of someone in the future who is navigating a different world than what you've experienced. Totally. Come back full circle to the communication so that they can understand that. Yeah, totally. All right. Hey, what's the best? Oh, God. Oh, I thought of something else, Shannon. You yeah. know, it's kind of like that journalist. They would embed journalists into, right. yeah. yeah. It, it, it's like oh, catalyst me. analogy. <laughs> yes. We need embedded journalists on our teams. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Okay. And it does sometimes feel like the war. So yeah, like bring your black jacket <laughs> helmet yeah sorry Uh, what's the best part about being a catalyst the best part is the satisfaction when you achieve and especially um I'm going to say that the catalyst is happening for the greater good And when you see the results, like when I get a text from a working learner saying, I so appreciate that you're doing this and that it's not somebody else answering the phone, but you answering the phone, you helping me log in, you helping me understand what is here. And it does truly make a difference. It is seeing those results quickly. We just um, we just launched a course with Amazon. And, you know, being a brand new company, a little tiny company, being able to have that relationship with Amazon to be able to help staff their level two robot technicians, it's amazing. The opportunity they offer to people across the U.S. that would never have that chance because they have to take a test for that position Um, Through the course that's been developed with community colleges and with Amazon experts, they bypass the testing and move direct into interviewing as long as the working learner passes at 80% on all quizzes. It's incredible. That's an amazing world that's so different from the one we live in today. You are doing such important work and it's just like, it's the win, 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 Parminder. And I know what you mean when you get those emails, the texts, it's just like, oh, it's so satisfying. You're like, yes, that's why I do what I do. All right. Do you have a call of act, call to action for our listeners? Call to action. One of the things we do at Unmuddle is we design and build Unmuddle Originals, which is workforce training and education that you can't find anywhere else. It's all exclusive. We'd love to build one um, for your hard to fill roles, for those that require um, roles that require diversity and roles that have specific skill sets that maybe need to be learned in person um, at a work site or at a college. So go check out unmetal.com. Tell your nephews, tell your nieces, hey, there's a different way to do things now. And go unmetal your future. Yes, do that. <laughs> Parminder, thanks so much for joining us. You are always just so inspirational. Well, thank you, Shannon. Thanks so much for having me. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website at catalystconstellations.com. Of course, be sure to check out our book, Move Fast, Break Shit, Burnout. And if you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share button and send a link their way. Thanks for listening.